Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Far-Fetched Fables, part of the District of Wonders Network, featuring Starship Sofa, Tales to Terrify, Crime City Central, and Protecting Project Pulp. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, this is Far-Fetched Fables. Welcome to show number 110, I'm your host, Nicholas Eaton Clark, and we're keeping it short this week, with a bit of flash fiction followed by a quick story. First, we have an announcement. Far-Fetched Fables will be taking story submissions throughout the month of July. If you have something you think we'd like, then please check out our guidelines on our submissions page at the Triple F website. We begin our show this week with Golden Unicorn, the fourth instalment of The Tales of the Rose Knights by Jay Lake and Ruth Nestwold, recently published by DailySciencefiction.com. Jay lived in Portland, Oregon until his death in 2014, shortly before his 50th birthday. His books include Kalimpura from Tor and Love in the Time of Metal and Flesh from Prime. Jay was a winner of the John W. Campbell Award for Best New Writer and a multiple nominee for the Hugo and World Fantasy Awards. In 2015, he posthumously received the Locus Award for his collection Last Plane to Heaven. Ruth has published widely in science fiction and fantasy, her fiction appearing in such markets as Asimov's and Fantasy and Science Fiction. Her work has been nominated for the Nebula, Tiptree and Sturgeon Awards, in 2007, the Italian translation of her novella Looking Through Lace won the Premio Italia Award for Best International Work. Their collection of short stories, Almost All the Way Home from the Stars, is available at Amazon and via iTunes. This story is read by British singer and actress Andrea Richardson. With extensive stage and film performances to her name, she began narration and voiceover work in 2014, but enjoys using her existing skills in a different way. You can find Andrea on Facebook and at her website via the link in our show notes. And now, Golden Unicorn by Jay Lake and Ruth Nestfold. The Rose Knight, known as Golden Unicorn, was a creature of field and forest, flowing across the mountain slopes as fire flows across the stubbled fields of autumn. She was born in the misty hills of the farmost west, raised amongst the simple nut farmers of Chemiquita, 
bound to the service of no man nor spirit, save her own will and the glories of these mountains. Her coat was the brown of polished walnut burl, and the horn upon her head glinted sunset gold. The relationship between unicorns and virgins is storied past the point of recognition, but the question of unicorn virginity is another matter entirely. The golden unicorn had spent her youth dancing around the attentions of stallions and lusty lads alike, preferring to hold her heart and body for whatever the future might bring. Thus she arrived at adulthood with distant dreams and little grounding in the ordinary mechanics of pleasure. And so she dwelt at the centre of her power, crackling with potential, but with no grounding for her fulfilment. In time she left the farmost west to find adventure and service in the kingdoms of the east. Through those years princes and wizardlings and tan soldiers all wooed her without success. In her twenty-fourth summer the golden unicorn chanced to find love in the form of a sad-eyed poet of middling years and middling appearance. He was tired, ill, and heart-sick from his seasons upon the road, but his stories of the roaring desert and the night-storms on the Sea of Pennies entranced her. The poet woke to her beauty, and gave her names which greatly pleased her secret heart, though she denied him again and again, and guarded her virginity close. As such things always end, they parted ways. But he had shown her that the sword of words could be as sharp as a sword of steel, and how a mind prepared could best a body muscled. So she took those learnings to the farmer Entelchiast, who even then was beginning his great work in the hill gardens, and there swore service to the bright-leaved future of his vision. In time she became the golden knight, and her deeds were sung far and wide. She never saw the poet again. He went to a distant shallow grave to be gnawed by wolves, his dying words unrecorded, but he lived for ever in her heart. Her sword won her lands of her own, and her words built her honour of her own and she swore that ever she would foster the wordsmiths and quiet children, that others might grow into the power of voice. A rather fitting tale for a fantasy-themed podcast, don't you think? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We'll close this episode with Heartless by Crystal Claxton. Crystal was tragically born with a miscalibrated sense of humor and lived in nine U.S. states before the age of 13. The combination of the two has left her with an oscillating accent and a habit of laughing at things that aren't funny. She currently lives in Georgia with her long-suffering spouse, a dog who thinks she's a cat, and a number of children that is subject to change. She enjoys breaking Heinlein's rules, getting distracted by Dragon Con, and feverishly researching whichever random topic has just piqued her interest. Keep up with her on Twitter and on her website via the link in our show notes. The story is read for us by Karen Bovenmeyer, who earned an MFA in creative writing, popular fiction, from the University of Southern Maine in 2011. She has published approximately 25 poems, short stories and novellas, and has a novel coming out next year. She teaches and mentors students at Iowa State University and serves as the non-fiction assistant editor of Escape Artists' Mothership Zeta magazine. Karen's narrations can be heard at Strange Horizons, Starship Sofa, Gallery of Curiosities and Pseudopod. And now, Heartless by Crystal Claxton. I should leave the man in the dark, face down on the dirt path where I find him. Entangling myself in the affairs of a she-beast is high on my list of things to avoid, but the chance that he still lives draws me in. Grunting, I roll his limp form to rest on his back, my breath turning to puffs of fog in the chill air. His heartstrings splay from the wound in his chest like delicate red ribbons. Drained of heat and color, his face is lifeless, handsome with amber hair and strong brow, but empty nonetheless. She left him here for dead. The sounds of unseen things prowling in the night pull my attention to the surrounding woods. I give him one last glance, intent on finding my way to safety, and see a wisp of vapor escape his lips. He stirs and coughs. Alive, if by the tiniest margin. Morning dawns as I drag him to my cabin, though he does not stir again. It's cold inside, but a fire lights easily in the hearth, filling the single room with a smoky, sweet aroma. I lay him on my cot, wondering if she will know her discarded man is in another's bed. With tender care and nimble words, I weave the torn flesh of his chest. I have seen his damage many times in my life, not inflicted by this she-beast, but by my mother. She'd consumed many a helpless wanderer. Most deserve such treatment. Some did not. 
she-beasts teach their daughters and sons alike, and she'd thought to impart her many words to me. I left her and learned to weave, learned to make the poultices I now use on the injured stranger, learned the words to mend a broken heart. In the after-dusk of the second day, as I sit at his side, brushing my fingers through the locks of amber hair, his eyes open, sea-green, with flecks of gold, they watch me, his brow creased in pain. I withdraw my hand, mindful of the intimacy of such contact. He focuses on the log beams of the ceiling. Silent tears blossom, making his eyes shimmer in the dim light. His chest shudders. His limbs shake. I fear that all of the remedies I learned have failed me, the knowledge atrophied from disuse. Perhaps he will die just the same, my efforts meaningless. At least if he passes, I know the she-beast won't come calling for him. For some reason, I think it'd almost be better to face her. I've witnessed so many end this way. With a shaky voice, I try some words. They feel hollow, but hold power in times like these. You're not alone. I say these three words over and over. They are not the keenest three words I know, but I fear anything stronger will put his fragile body into shock. Eventually, he drifts back to sleep. Why did you bring me here? His tone is laden with the bitterness I've endured the week since he's regained voice. You'd have died if I'd left you. He's too weak to move from my bed, though he watches me sit at the rough-hewn table, preparing an oily liniment. I've nothing to offer you. You can't gain anything from keeping me, he says. While it's true there are many cherished things to be gained from a man, I've no intention of taking one. I don't expect anything from you. When you're strong enough, you can go on your way. He glares at me with such lovely eyes. Do you remember where you were going before? He shakes his head. But I see he's fighting to remember. Should have left me, he mutters. Should have died. I kneel and tug at the dirty bandages crisscrossed around his ribcage as he sits in my chair, staring out the cabin's single window. He bats my fingers away and folds his arms over his chest, trying hard to hide the grimace as his movement inflames the wound. He hasn't let me tend the injuries in days, hoping, I think, to bring on the consumption. It's difficult to work on him if he's not listening to my words. Where are all the other people? he asks, not sparing me so much as a glance. In towns and villages, I suspect. Do people often come this way? Not often. I'm still stooped beside him, eyeing the filthy cloth. Why would you live out here alone? It's safer. 
He tears his gaze from the window to look at me. For the first time, there is no mistrust in his expression, though his brow is creased and his lips are pressed into a tight line. He searches my face for something. I clarify. Safer for them. His eyes snap to mine. Now that I have his attention, I find the words are hard to draw out. I say, You're safe here, I swear. He adverts his gaze, and then unfolds his arms, letting me near enough to do my work. A fetid scent reveals itself underneath the dressing, and I wonder, is he just obeying? Or does he believe me when I promise not to hurt him? He smiles. It's small and lasts only an instant, but it's worth the weeks of waiting because he's smiling at me. I remove the bandages from his torso. The swelling is gone and the redness manageable. There will be scars, but for the first time, I believe he might survive after all. I can see the idea reflected in his face as he runs the flat of his hand over his mending chest. You'll be healed before you know it, I say cheerfully, knowing the positive effect such commands have, though the sentiment doesn't make me feel cheerful. Does the she-beast know her man is healing? That there's something to be had if she comes to claim him? My mother always did. If he stays, I will have to face her. But I have trouble imagining a scenario where he might stay. Most don't survive a she-beast, even with help. He's resilient. It's that resiliency that will carry him into the world beyond my cabin and leave my house empty again. I know many words. I could make him stay. I remind myself. I am not my mother. I was traveling to the mountains. He announces one day, after the cooler season gives way to daylight heat. He is strong enough to leave me now. If he doesn't stray into the woods, he might make it on his own. I've grown accustomed to starting at every distant cry, at every snapped branch. She's coming. I feel it. I force myself not to care. She isn't here now. Right now. He is filling the cabin with his soft voice, his brief smiles. We talk about the village on the coast where he was born. I imagine him brought up by a kind, loving mother, and perhaps aided by sisterly confidants or auntly advice. He never stood a chance against something like her, something like me. I finally remember why I came here. I ask. There's a village. I was offered work. His sea-green eyes are on me, watching as I sort herbs into bundles and position them next to clay jars on the wooden table. I'm a teacher. The mountain village hasn't had a proper teacher in years. It sounds like they need you. I shove a sticky clove into a jar and slam the lid on tight. Yes. Some uncertain question rests in his posture, though I pretend not to notice. Do you still want to go there? I ask. 
He fingers the tendril-like scars hidden beneath the shirt I've given him, as he considers. I've grown so used to tending his wounds with salve and command that the words form unbidden on my lips. You're stronger than you know. I don't think you're half as dangerous as you think you are, he says. Only a few days have passed, and the sunlight is growing warmer through the cabin's window. If you stay, I suspect you'll find out. I shove the bundle against his firm chest. You've given me enough, he hands it back. I throw my hands up so that he must choose between keeping hold and letting the foodstuffs tumble out of the cloth sack onto the floor. He manages to gather it up. He smiles at me, soft and warm, as he accepts the gift. I don't want to leave you here alone. I like being alone. Do you? I can't tell if it's an accusation or a question. When I don't answer, he lingers. You don't owe me anything, I say. I know. You don't need me anymore. I know. I open the door for him. As he looks from me to the outside world, I dig my fingers into my sleeves to stop them trembling. I know he'll be okay. I've seen him recover, seen his strength. He'll be fine if he leaves now before she comes. But she's taking too long to get here. I might have claimed him by the time she arrives. I'm fighting down all these words that I know can force him to stay, can make him mine. He has to go now. Maybe just one more command. Go. I watch him disappear over the crest of a soft, tree-speckled hill, violet mountains looming beyond. The fight to stay in my doorway after he's gone causes the muscles in my legs to burn. The she-beast stands all red lips and half-exposed bosom at my door. She's wearing a dress that hugs her curvy woman's form, looking somehow both ravenous and fragile. I have nothing for you, I tell her, though her piercing blue eyes bore into me just the same. It was you she says, as though she's speaking to herself. I grip the door's handle and wonder if I'll have the power to shut her out. I doubt it. This time she addresses me. You inflicted the words for love on my man. Alarm raises the hackles on my neck. I don't know what you're talking about. Her eyes slide up and down my frame, impressed. Yes, you do. You stole his heart from me. You left little heart to steal, as I recall. I'm stalling now. There was worth left in him, a smirk. If he'd recovered. Well, he recovered, and he's days gone by now. I stole nothing. Then why was he coming back to you this morning? An icy chill crawls across my skin. What? At first I thought he was returning to me. A wistful smile flickers over her features. But when I tried to claim him, he told me he wanted you. She leans in, conspiringly. 
I've only heard tale of the command for love. You must tell me how you did it. In my mind, I sift through memories of him for some hidden word I let slip. I wouldn't. I'm unsure. I didn't. Her arched eyebrows bunched down, drawing a line over her eyes that contrasts eerily with the smile spread across her painted lips. She runs a delicate fingernail along my collarbone as she leans into me. Now, don't be greedy. You stole one of my toys. You owe me recompense. A tingle radiates from her touch, down. I want to answer her question, but the words don't form in my mind. I don't know what I did. Her smile melts away. Liar! I only now realize how suffocatingly close she is to me. I'm not holding the doorknob anymore. We've moved into the cabin. You're just the same as me. No better. I can see that you never cared for him, she says. I've let her in, and now I feel her words slash across my chest. I cared. I'm trying to ease away, but the table blocks my escape. Then why haven't you asked me where he is? I can feel her pull on my heartstrings, the muscles in my throat constrict as I fight against the compulsion to ask, where is he? She licks her lips as she wraps one hand around my shoulder, holding me in place. Her attention is focused on the warm blossom of blood on my shirt when she answers, Oh, he's very, very dead. Her eyes flick up to mine, and the painted smile returns. I made sure this time. She expects my heart to collapse now. Her eyes narrow, intent on my chest. Her lips part. She's holding her breath. Something inside of me snaps. But it's not my heart. I say, you're not very good at this. Confusion tinges her features. You can't just walk into my home and take my life. It takes finesse grace, subtlety. She releases my shoulder, edging back a step. I have you. I laugh. You are the worst she-beast I've ever seen. A shallow scratch forms over her high cheekbone. She tries to recoil into indignation, but I see through her and I know the words to use. You couldn't keep him. You can't get to me. What can you do? I, I don't let her get an edged word in. You what? Made him want you? Love you? Then why was it so easy for me to take him from you? You can't even keep hold of one man. I smile at her, but only because I want so badly to add insult to the injury I inflict when I say, Your mother must be so proud. She tries to hide her wobbling chin with a hand over her mouth. Her other hand hugs tight around her middle. I ignore the burning scratches on my chest as I cut her down and slice her up. I've seen these words used before. Some of them are true. Many are not. It doesn't matter, because she believes they are true. 
when her tight dress is soaked in blood and her tongue is tied, she retreats from my home, stumbling on the threshold. I stalk out after her, but as she flees for the woods, I turn in the other direction. Breathless, I run toward the mountains. The path is narrow and lousy with overgrown weeds and tall grasses. Thinning trees cast erratic shadows in the falling light. I'm running at full speed, but my eyes search the grasses for his body. My heart pounds in my chest. If he's beyond my saving, if he's already gone. I'm so intent on finding his broken body at my feet that I don't notice when we're about to collide. My breath whooshes into my lungs as I come up short. He raises his hands to help stop my momentum and balances me. He's alive. Fresh scratches snake his neck and blood soaks the shirt over his forearm. But otherwise, he's fine. I press a palm to my chest over my thudding heart, trying to catch my breath. His hands wrapped around my shoulders. He asks, Are you all right? His eyes are wide, the smell of sweat and blood mingle, and I feel moisture wicking into my shirt beneath his palms. He must have been running to meet me after his encounter with the she-beast. I nod as I gulp down here. I, I thought you were... I thought she... You're safe. His words are steady, calming. I'm right here. Did she hurt you? She, she tried, but I, I guess I was stronger. He laughs, a hearty rumbling noise, alive with relief. <laughs> I could have told you that. I look away, and he releases me. I silently wish he'd keep holding me, even though I'm steady on my feet. What are you doing here? His gold-flecked eyes watch me. I've missed you. You shouldn't have come. She might have killed you. He's still unconcerned. She can't hurt me anymore. I might kill you. He almost shakes his head, leaving his face at an angle. Maybe. But it's my decision to stay or go. I thought you had some place to be. He brushes my cheek with warm fingers. I do. Come with me. I look back over the unkempt path. Beyond the grove, swallowed by the dense woods, there is a cabin, small and alone. It was a haven once. I cannot imagine returning there now. When I turn toward him, I shut my eyes tight, throw my arms around his chest, and squeeze. He holds me, gentle and insistent pressing my face into his shoulder. I feel his heart beat beneath his skin. I know it beats for me. To fall in love is to risk a broken heart, dear listener, and possibly worse. If you'd like to share your thoughts on this or any of our stories, you can leave your comments on the Triple F website, our Facebook page, or on Twitter. We love hearing from our listeners, and we want to know your thoughts on our content. 
If you enjoyed these or any of the dozens of other stories we have recorded, please consider visiting our Patreon page and making a donation. It helps keep the servers going and every little bit gets us closer to being able to pay authors for exclusive unpublished content. The link is as always on our website. Please remember that Farfetched Fables operates under a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial no derivatives 3.0 license, which means you can download the content and share it all you like, but don't change it or sell it. And be sure to give credit where credit is due. All other copyright remains that of the authors. Violator's dying words will go unrecorded. I'm off to go and action my busy day. I hope you all have a great one, my listeners. See you next week. Bye now. This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network, dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.